those of us who are staying, um, my name's Stuart Mazzell. I'm pastor here, and it's great to see all of you here. Thank you for being here, especially those of you who are joining us uh, for the first time, or those of you who are joining us online. Thank you so much for that. We are going through a series that we've called uh, Responding to Jesus. And so far, what we've seen is how Herod responded to Jesus. He responded by being troubled by Jesus even to the point of slaughtering innocent children. And then we saw the response of, last week we saw the response of the wise men who responded with joy and worship and generosity. Today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2. and We're going to be looking at a particular response of the shepherds. Um, So if you would like to turn in your own Bible, you're welcome to do so. If not, you can look on the screen and you'll see... Luke chapter 2 there. Before we actually read, I do want to say really quickly, tonight's joint service, joint worship service, it it is a a really good time for us to get together with other churches and to worship together. I think that's important for us to see how other other people uh, worship and, and be able to recognize that we're all one in Christ, even if with our differences. So I think that's a good thing to encourage you to see. Uh, If you're able to come to that, please do. And then the Christmas Eve service, again, another way that we worship that's a a very celebratory time. I want to encourage you, if you're able and you're in town, please be a part of that. And then, yes, we will be meeting on Sunday, next Sunday. I I know that's kind of strange to say, but uh, I've gotten several several, uh, questions. Are we still meeting on Sunday for Christmas? Like, yes, we are. Because if we say we're celebrating Jesus, what better way to celebrate Jesus than to join together in worship with his people? So uh, you can open your gifts early, and then you can come and worship. All right, so let's read the passage from Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger." And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, 
glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. Jesus, as we think about your birth, uh, we don't want this to be rote. We don't want to go through the motions. Uh, We don't want to think in our minds, I've heard this story hundreds of times, and not be captured by the wonder of it. that you, the Son of God, would put on flesh for us, that the King of kings and Lord of lords would stoop so low as to become a baby. And Lord, just as the shepherds saw and were amazed and spoke, Lord, cause us to be overwhelmed with the wonder and the joy and the goodness of who you are that we cannot help but speak. And Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to produce that fruit in our lives. So would you fill us, empower us, and cause us to see Jesus more clearly today than we have and that we would leave here being willing to speak the truth about Jesus to others. And we pray this, Jesus, in your name and for your glory, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, our one true God. Amen. So I'm going to start this sermon by asking you if anybody knows the name Gil Carson. Sorry, Gil Gil Carlson. There's an L in there. Gil Carlson. Anybody know that name? Good. Good. I was going to have to change the way I was going to do this if there was somebody who had actually heard of him. All right, so Gil Carlson is the author of The Blue Planet Project, contains 26 books in which he maps out how extraterrestrials have interacted with human beings here on Earth. And he claims that extraterrestrials are communicating to receptive human beings. And that we need to pay attention to what they say because, and this is a quote, the aliens are offering us a more holistic vision of the universe and of life. And that's important for us to hear, according to Gil Carlson. And for the low, low price of $299, you too can have all 26 books in one volume and find out what's really going on. If you can't tell by my uh, snarky comment, uh, it's kind of hard to take this guy seriously. I mean, his headings are in Comic Sans font, if you know what that is. It's not very professional. And he's also the author of the book, Secrets of Freelance Copywriter Jobs, How to Become a Successful Writer. And I think at least there's probably a chapter in that book, make up some stories about aliens, and you'll probably sell a lot. But imagine if what he said was true. Imagine if there really were beings from somewhere outside of earth that came to you and communicated a message 
that you were to tell other people about? What do you think you would do? Would you keep it quiet or would you tell people? I'm pretty sure that all of us, if we had that kind of experience and we didn't think we were crazy, we would tell people about it. Well, that's sort of what goes on here in Luke 2, isn't it? Not extraterrestrials the way we think of little gray men or little green men, but angels. As we see in this passage, we're going to move through this very quickly. Luke 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in a field. They were keeping watch over their flock by night. So they're, they're out hanging out with sheep in the middle of a field at night. And it wasn't like hanging out downtown Sumter with all the lights. There was nothing. It was dark. Really, really dark. And then verse 9, and an angel of the Lord appeared out of that darkness, out of that silence. An angel appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Yeah, of course they were. Because imagine you were out in the middle of a field in pitch black darkness, and suddenly some dude appears shining with all this light and says, hey, I got a message for you. It would freak you out too. Verse 10, and then the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. A very specific kind of sign, right? So these shepherds hear this, and they're thinking, Okay, we've heard the message, and they're telling us that if this is really true, we're going to find this. We're going to find this baby, and a baby lying in a manger, a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, right? How many of you expect to see a baby in a manger? It's a strange thing. And then, if that wasn't enough, in verse 13 and following... And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Hey, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's check this out. Let's see if what these angels have told us is really true. The Lord has made known this to us. Let's go check it out. So in verse 16 they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, just like the angels had said. I mean, think about that. They were thinking, baby in a manger? That's crazy. And then they found a baby in the manger and they knew it was true. Verse 17. And when they saw it, when they saw that all that the angels had said were true, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. See, today we're going to be talking about the shepherd response. And there's several shepherd responses, but we're going to focus on just one. The shepherd response of making known the truth about Jesus. Their 
connecting with Jesus. They're seeing Jesus lying in that manger calls them to have the shepherd response to make known the truth about Jesus. Now I want you to take a look at this very carefully in verses 17 and 18. In verse 17, when the shepherds saw exactly what the angels had said they would see, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Now, if you're reading this in context, you may think that what they're saying is Mary and Joseph are there, and they tell Mary and Joseph, hey, this is what the angels said. And that's it. Just Mary and Joseph. They just told Mary and Joseph. Just the mom and the dad. That's it. That might be the way you interpret this. That might be the way you read it. But notice verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Now if it was just Mary and Joseph that they told... I don't think that Luke would have used the word, and all who heard it. He would have said, and they heard it, and they wondered, right? But no, he says, all who heard it. In other words, the shepherds told more than just Mary and Joseph. They told numerous people about what they had seen. In fact, this has been a long tradition of interpreting this passage. In the King James Version, verse 17, we see they interpret it this way, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Not just Mary and Joseph, but they told everybody around them. The NIV very similarly says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. The NLT also, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. This is the way we need to understand this passage. It wasn't just Mary and Joseph they talked to. They did talk to them, but they talked to all kinds of people, apparently. Apparently, once they saw the child, they couldn't keep quiet. It's sort of like, have you, ever, you know, you've gone to those restaurants where you get something really, really good, like a steak, Thursday night, with the staff of our church and our families, we went to Willie Sue's, and I got the cowboy cut of a ribeye, and it was amazing, one of the best steaks I've ever had in my life. Right? Do you think I've told somebody about that? Yeah, of course. I just told all of you. That's what we do when something good happens. We tell people. And the shepherds, they heard this message. They heard this very specific sign about a child in a manger. They went to Bethlehem. They checked it out. And when they saw what had happened, they were like, oh, wow, this is amazing. We've got to tell everybody. And that's what they did. And that tells us a little bit about how we should respond to Jesus. That, that we too, once we've really encountered him, once we see who he really is, we respond by telling people about who he is. Now you might be saying, well, what do we tell people? What do we tell people? Well, if you take the cue from the shepherds, 
they made known the saying about Jesus. And what was it that the angel said about Jesus? There are three specific things that we can tell people that are really easy to remember, really easy for us to tell people about. All right, so you ready for those? Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. All right, so number one, what do we tell people? We tell people that Jesus is the Savior. We tell people that Jesus is the Savior. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. See, the point of what the angels told the shepherds wasn't, hey, isn't this amazing? A baby's been born. Babies are born all the time. It wasn't just that a baby was born. It was this particular baby is a special baby, a baby that will be the Savior. As uh, Matthew says in, in his gospel in verse 21 of chapter 1, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He is a Savior who saves people from sin. Now, I know in our day and age, we don't talk about sin a lot. That's just not something that, you know, you go up to someone and say, hey, how have you sinned this week? That's just not the way we talk. So if you just need a little bit of a refresher, sin is anything that we say, anything that we think, anything that we do that goes against what God has told us. God says, honor your father and your mother, and we dishonor our father and mother. God says, trust me, and we say, eh, I'll trust myself. God says, love one another, and we say, I'd rather not. I mean, have you seen how so-and-so is such a jerk? That's what sin is. God says one thing and we say something else. God says do something and we do something else. And I want you to hear this because this is, this is the bad part of the good news. Sin always destroys. Sin destroys it destroys relationships. It destroys well-being. It destroys our opportunity for the best possible future. Sin destroys life. And Jesus is the one who has come to save people from their sins. Jesus is the one who has come to save us from the mess of our own making. Jesus is the one who will come to take us out of this mess that we are in of our own sin where we are destroying each other, destroying ourselves, destroying our planet, destroying our society. And he has come to say, I will put an end to sin and I will make all things new. That's our Jesus. Let me tell you something that uh, 
I have to admit to all of you, as your pastor, um, wow, it got really quiet. If I'm honest with myself and with God and with you, I want to be the Savior. When there have been marriages that have been failing in this congregation, I have wanted to fix them. When there have been relationship problems between members, I have wanted to come in between and fix it. To save them. When I see someone who is basically, their lifestyle is basically driving themselves off a cliff, I have wanted to get up in front of the car and say, stop and try to save them. But the truth is, I'm not the savior. I can't save anybody. Only Jesus can save. And the good news is that Jesus is the Savior. I will fail you, but Jesus will not. We will fail each other, but Jesus will not. And no matter what mess we get ourselves into in this life, Jesus promises that he will save us. Maybe not from the mess in this life right now, but he will save us ultimately from all the mess we make of our own doing. That is such good news. And that's why the shepherds couldn't stay quiet. That's why they told people. That's why they made known this saying that Jesus is the Savior. He is the one who will save us from our sins. And he does that by coming in the flesh, living a perfect life of obedience that we all fail to do, dying for our sins, taking the curse of sin upon himself, and then rising from the dead to make all things new. Again, that's our Jesus. That's the one we celebrate. We're not just celebrating a little baby in a manger. Isn't that cute? We're celebrating the Savior, the one who saves all of us who believe from our sins. And we tell people that. What else do we tell people? Well, we tell people not only that Jesus is the Savior, we tell people that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Christ. Again, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. First of all, for those of you who don't know this, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is the English word for a Greek word, Christos. And this is going to be kind of funny, the, the, the progression of this, but so Christ is the English word for a Greek word, Christos. Christos is a Greek word for a Hebrew word, Messiah. And Messiah is a Hebrew word for the concept of anointed one. Okay, so when kings would be anointed in the Old Testament times, back in the day, when a king was anointed with oil, that meant this person is being set apart for this particular purpose. He's being set apart in order to serve as a king. 
And Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit above measure to be the one who would rescue us from this mess that we've made. He is the one who has been anointed by the Holy Spirit to be a prophet who will speak words to us, not some alien out there, but Jesus, the Son of God, put on flesh to speak God's truth to us. He was anointed as a prophet. He was anointed as a priest, the one who would sacrifice himself for us and then would intercede for us forever because he is a priest that always lives because of his resurrection so that no matter what mess we get into ourselves each and every day, Jesus always lives to intercede for us. And Jesus was anointed as a king to rule and reign over us and to protect us from our enemies. When we think about the Messiah, there's an anticipation of one who will come to do something really important. And I know I'm stepping into it right now, but in 2024, there is an election year. You know that, right? And I know there's at least some of you who have an anticipation for 2024. Maybe, just maybe, there will be a candidate who will come from out of the fray and come and, and, and be the Savior, be the Anointed One, be the one who will, who will fix all of our problems in America. The one who will, who will lead us in ways that are good for our nation. Maybe one who will put right all of these things that are wrong. And we have that anticipation and we're looking forward to it. I'm skeptical of all of that. But think about that anticipation when it comes to a political person. And then remember that Jesus is the anointed one who will right all wrongs. That the government is on his shoulders. That he is king of kings and Lord of lords. And his kingdom is a kingdom that will never end. That's the Jesus the shepherds told about. They couldn't help but say it because they had had experiences with Herod who had killed all these little babies. They had had experiences with Caesar who had done horrific things. They had had experiences with all kinds of leaders, political leaders who abused people. And here they heard there's going to be a king who's going to come and right all wrongs, the Messiah, the anointed one. That's something to be excited about, and that's why they told people. And that's what we can tell people. In 2024, when everybody's going, oh, there's not a good candidate to vote for, what are we going to do? We're going to trust Jesus. We're going to believe Jesus. We're going to put our hope. We're not going to put our hope in princes. We're going to put our hope in King Jesus. That's what we can do. And that will spread the good news of Jesus in a way that you wouldn't believe. So Jesus is our Savior. And we tell people that. Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the coming one who is going to set rights wrong. And one more thing we tell people. We tell people that Jesus is the Lord. He's not just a savior. 
And he's not just the Christ, the Messiah. He is the Lord. Again, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no king, there is no Lord higher than Jesus. He's the one who's in charge. He's the one who calls the shots. He is the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. Think about it. Why is this good news? If Jesus isn't Lord, then does he have the power to save? If Jesus isn't Lord, does he have the authority to right wrongs? If Jesus isn't Lord, can he really bring about a new creation? It's a little embarrassing, but when I, uh, years ago, I went to a, uh, a swimming class because I'm not a great, I'm still not a great swimmer, but I was a horrible swimmer, horrific, just, you know, sank all the time, just got in the water, couldn't even float all the way to the bottom. And uh, so I went to this class, and uh, on this particular day, there was the, the, the swimming instructor said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go in the deep pool. And already I could feel my anxiety rising. Like, oh no, not the deep pool. Can't put my feet down and lift up if I, you know, get in trouble. So anyway, he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get in the deep pool and you're going to dive under and then you're going to come back up. Well, I dove under. I did not come back up. I got disoriented, and I could not figure out where, I, where the top was. And so I was trying to swim, and I was like, no, it's not that way. And I swam, no, it's not that way. Oh, I'm going to be the first person to die in a swimming class. Now, some of you might be a little uncomfortable with the way I'm going to say this, but it is a good thing that that swimming instructor was basically the lord of that area that he had authority over that class, that he had the power and the ability to watch over everybody, and he's a good swimmer, and he knew what he was doing, and when he saw me dive in and saw I didn't come up, he didn't just go, oh no, what do I do? Or dive in there and die with me. No, he was able to go in and pull me out to rescue me because he had the authority he had the ability. He had the power. He was the Lord of his swimming pool. And Jesus, because he is Lord, because he is God in the flesh, the one who died and rose from the dead for us and has been exalted over everything in the entire universe, he is more than able to save. He is more than able to rescue us. No matter how bad things have gotten, no matter how far down the sin road we've gone, no matter how bad life gets, Jesus has the authority to pull us out of that mess and get us on the right track again. He is more than able to save us. 
That's our Jesus. And that is why the shepherds could not keep their mouths shut about him. They realized that this little baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, was going to be the King of kings and Lord of lords. He was going to rule over everything, and he had the authority and the ability to save them. And not just save them, but save all who would believe. And that's what we do. We tell people. We tell people because Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the reason for this season. And if there's any time in all of the year that it makes it easy for us, or easier, I guess I should say, to say something about Jesus, think about this time of year. Songs about Jesus are playing in public. Silent night is everywhere you go. I mean, there are those other Christmas songs too. But even in a secularized world, in a secularized society, we have these moments where silent night is playing over and someone next to us says, oh, I love this song. And you can say, I love it too because it's about Jesus. Easier way in than maybe other times of the year. So your action point for today, and not just for today, but for all, all your life, tell someone about Jesus. Tell someone about Jesus. Maybe it's at the Christmas party that you're dreading to go. And you're thinking, oh, I gotta go to another Christmas party. Go as a missionary to be able to say Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the one we're really waiting for. Maybe it's you got family coming over for Christmas and you're sitting around the dinner table and you know there's all these different opinions and different thoughts are being shared. Share your thoughts about Jesus. Let people hear the good news of how he is a savior who is more than able to save, how he is a king who is more than able to save us and to rescue us from the mess we've made, that he really is the one we're all, we've all been waiting for. Or maybe it's just you're hanging out in your neighborhood and there's somebody across the way that doesn't have any family around, who doesn't have anywhere to go for Christmas, and you invite them into your home, and you share a meal with them. Let them see that you exhibit the love of Jesus, and you share the good news of why you're willing to do that. Because Jesus has so loved me and brought me in, I want to bring others in too. So I hope you tell someone about Jesus this Christmas season. Let's make known the wonderful truth about Jesus.
to those around us. And I'm going to pray for us that we'll be able to do so. Holy Spirit, will you please empower us to tell people about Jesus? That we wouldn't be afraid, that we wouldn't be ashamed, that we wouldn't stumble in our words, that we would simply be able to say, well, Jesus is the Savior, and I'm so thankful for him. Jesus is the Christ, the one who will really set the world right, and I'm thankful for him. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and I'm so thankful for him. And one day, we'll see his kingdom clearly. And until that day, we can recognize that he still is on his throne and nothing can overthrow it. Will you help us to see those things, to savor those things, and to share those things with others? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.